When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am Tom Reed, joined as always by the Hall of Famer Dave Molinari. A little bit later, we will be joined by the Athletics' Aaron Portsline. Uh, getting close to trade deadline, Dave. Dave, it's uh, this will be our last podcast until the deadline. The next time we talk, there could be some new guys. There could be some guys out of the out of this lineup. But before we get into that, I want to get into. Uh, what's been happening in the last couple of days? Now, I say that we are recording on Thursday. Dave is in St. Louis uh, preparing for their uh, the game against the Blues. Boy, a heavy team. And uh, over the last couple of days, we've seen Mike Sullivan t- do some tinkering with the lineup, Dave. We, we've seen uh, the, the top line, one of the best lines in the NHL uh, with Sidney Crosby and uh, and and Gensel and Rust get broken up. We've seen the uh, the top defensive pairing of of Latang and Dumlin uh, get broken up. As there's been a little bit of shuffle here, um, just uh, late season kind of tinkering, or is this something a bigger issue for you? Well, I, I think ideally you wouldn't be tinkering this late in the season. Uh, you know that uh, any major configuration adjustments you'd be making would, would involve, you know, people that you bring in uh, around the deadline. Uh, but, you know, there's been such a drawn out lack of secondary scoring on this team that, I mean, I can understand why, uh, you know, they uh, flipped the, the right wingers on the top two lines for the game in Nashville. Um, even though I, Personally, would be very reluctant to break up the Gensel Crosby Rust line um, simply because it was playing so well. And you know, if you take them apart, you know, there's always a possibility that they won't be able to completely recapture what they had when they were on a roll. But you know, on the flip side, I can understand uh, you know what Mike Sullivan was hoping to do by putting Rust with Evgeny Malkin, you know, to to get Malkin going. So that the Penguins are, are getting some offense from uh, from at least two lines. It didn't uh, the Malkin line didn't produce much in the Nashville game, but you know I won't be surprised if we if we see that experiment uh, continue for a bit longer at least. We'll get to Casper Kapanen in a mo- in a moment, but Dave, 
uh, I was at practice about a week or so ago and just, and you, you guys hear this all the time. I mean, that line, that top line with rust on it and Gensel and Crosby, of course, is tremendous. And to me, this, you know, again, this speaks to the issues that Mike, the, uh, that Mike Sullivan is having lower in his lineup. He doesn't want to break that lineup. Who would? No coach in their right mind would really say, you know what? Yeah, I don't Let's, let's change up a little bit. It does speak to that. And getting to back to Kasperi Kapanen, I think that's the root of all this, isn't it? Uh, his lack of scoring, his his inability to mesh with uh, Malkin the way he did last year has really kind of started the dominoes falling for the, this direction. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's certainly a big part of it. But, it, you know, it I don't think would be – fair to put it all on Kapanen. Uh, you know, they, he's just one of many guys who haven't been scoring lately. Um, you know, Jeff Carter, I believe, has one goal in 13 games heading into the Blues game. Um, you know, you don't expect him to be the goal scorer he was earlier in his career or even earlier in this season, but you do need, you know, a little more output from him than that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kapanen you know, we've beaten this horse to death so many times. It's probably on about its fifth line or fifth life by now, but, uh, fifth line may be also correct. Yeah. Well, it was on its fifth line there for a game. Yeah. And, uh, certainly on merit. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if somehow he would get going and perform and produce the expectations, you know, that, that would make a major positive difference for this team. But, you know, he's not the only guy that, that they have to get going. I wonder with a guy like Carter, and, and again, we always have to hedge our bets because of his age. But I do think some veterans, uh, especially in a situation that they're in right now where they're, they're locked to make the playoffs, it's just a matter of, of where they finish. Uh, this, is, this is that part of the season where it's, oh, it's the dog days. So at the end of the dog days, of course, once the trade line deadline comes, it's usually, okay, okay, this is our team. Let's go. But I do wonder with a guy like Carter, if it's just guys, some of those veterans sometimes cruise a little bit through this stretch of the season. And let's be honest, it's been a hard stretch. This has been a, we've talked about this and we'll, we'll get to the numbers in a second. This has been without question the, this, the, the most demanding 12 game stretch they've had in the season. So I don't worry as much about Carter, especially because he does other, other things. Uh, and he's got a long track record. Uh, your thoughts on, on, on that? Well, I, I think you, all of the points you made are valid I, and you know, we don't know what kind of, track record uh, Carter has in, in the days leading up to a deadline because, you know, he just came here at the deadline last year. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know if uh, he had put it into neutral, you know, during his final few weeks in LA or not. Um, but, you know, I, I, I guess that that's possible, but I, I don't think the Penguins should be, so comfortable that, uh, you know, that anybody would be taking his foot off, off the gas just yet, especially as you mentioned, uh, considering the opposition that they've been facing in, in recent weeks, which is uh, quite the gauntlet. You know, we've, we've talked so much about Rangers, Penguins, Rangers, Penguins, where the Capitals are kind of creeping up there, aren't they? 
Yeah, they are. And uh, which I, I think is a, a bit of a surprise that they've gone on such a such a role lately because they, they really uh, didn't look like they had it in them. But, you know, I, I think there is a, uh, a genuine incentive for for not only the Penguins, but the Rangers uh, to try to avoid slipping into fourth place in the division, because yeah. if you do that, you're going to face an awfully, awfully stiff challenge uh, in the in the opening round. Yeah. I think uh, the Penguins and Rangers would much rather play each other than uh, you know whoever comes out on top in in the Atlantic, you know, or Carolina. Yeah. Now I would say this: if if the Penguins were you know, again, in this scenario, if the if the if the, if Washington were to jump up into one of those two three the two three hole, if the Penguins stay in one of those positions as well, I think the Penguins would be comfortable playing oh. Washington. They just don't want to drop down, to, as you were saying, into that situation where you're playing either Tampa or one of those teams in that division or or Carolina, because that is such a hard start to your playoff run. Yeah, and the Penguins will have a, a pretty good opportunity to secure, uh, you know, the second or third spot in the division, you know, after the uh, the deadline because you know they've only played Rangers once so far this season. So, yes. you know, there will be uh, plenty of head-to-head action coming, and you know that those games might well determine uh, the order of finish in the Metro. Dave, we talked so much about this twelve game stretch, which concludes, which is concluded Thursday night with the the Blues game. And again, we we don't know exactly how that one ended up. Uh, five five and one going into that game. I think you said if they, you know, I think you absolutely called five hundred maybe going into this stretch of games. Your thoughts on it? There, there have been some nice wins. There's some really impressive wins against Tampa Bay finally got over the hump against Carolina, which we just got done saying is such a really good team. Your just overall impressions coming into this last game of how they did in this. Well, if I didn't predict 500, if they, if it does turn out that they finished 500, then yes, I, I absolutely said that's precisely what (laughs) you did. You did. You called, you called 500. Uh, Uh, But no, I, I think, you know, that's a satisfactory result you know, out, out of those dozen games, if they could get through that breaking even, you know, that's, that's not bad. I know that uh, a lot of people get upset anytime they lose a game. And especially uh, as happened in Nashville, when they, when they lose to a team that has superior size and toughness, that really sets off alarms, but you know, other teams have good players too. And, and they also want to win. And when you're playing against a uh, a lengthy run of, of games against those quality opponents, you're you're going to lose some games. You know, yeah. they they had there were some that I'm I'm sure they wouldn't mind a do over, but there were also some some pretty solid wins in there, like the the ones you mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, last thing before we get we done with this first segment, we we started by talking about the um, some of the tinkering that Mike Sullivan did. We we focused almost exclusively on the forwards. Now, as you were writing on Thursday uh, from your morning skate uh, story, it looks like Dumoulin and Latang are going to go back together. Is that what we're, is that what we're expecting uh, for at least that game and maybe the foreseeable future? Yeah. And I think ultimately that's the pairing they'll go with. I, I guess I'm uh, 
kind of conservative traditionalist in this regard. But if I'm going to have a, a guy with significant offensive skill like Latang, I want to pair him with somebody who can be a very responsible defensively like, like Dumoulin. And for that same reason, I, I agree with moving Mike Matheson, who, uh, you know, obviously has uh, a very good offensive game and was paired with Latang, you know, briefly. I, you know, I like putting him with, uh, with John Marino who can give uh Matheson the, the latitude to get involved in the offense. So I, I like the pairings that he apparently uh, plans to use against the Blues more than the ones uh, he deployed in, in Nashville a couple of nights earlier. Yeah, agreed. All right, when we come back, uh, as you know, trade deadline is right around the corner. Dave and I will discuss that, and a little bit later we will have Aaron Portsline from The Athletic. Uh, Cordy, throughout an interesting kind of, it wasn't it wasn't reporting it, but just a, uh, would you consider this kind of deal involving the Penguins and involving Casper Kapanen? We'll get to that a little bit later on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. We'll be joined shortly by Aaron Portsline. Again, a little bit of a teaser. He, he has an idea, kind of an intriguing idea. I don't know if Penguin fans would be up for it, but a possible trade involving the Penguins and the Blue Jackets. Again, he's not reporting this, but he's trying to put together a deal that he thinks might make sense. Uh, we'll get to that shortly. But Dave, Monday is the trade deadline. Um one of the th- reasons we've, you and I have made such a big deal over this tw- this twelve game segment, we've talked about it over three course of three or four shows. I think one of the biggest things was because of the quality of competition that they were playing, uh, the, the management and the coaching staff got a good look at, especially a team like Carolina, uh, again Tampa, just so many uh, playoff bound teams that I think those are the type of games, those are the type of run of games where you can see what your team might be just lacking a little bit or what, where you need help or this part of it of our game is fine. As we head into this deadline, if you could made, wave a magic wand and say, we need this to help us down the stretch, not just to get in the playoffs, of course, but to win a round at least, to get us into the second round where this team hasn't been since 2018, what would it be? You mean I don't have a magic wand I can wave? Well, you might have a magic wand. I, I you know, that, that's just your writing. I know that from your writing, wand is pretty good. But, yeah. but, but, but putting what about your general manager's wand? Well, I mean, I would think right now their their primary concern has to be again the you know the lack of secondary scoring. Yeah. If you go into the playoffs as a one line team, you know, no matter how good that line is, you're not going to last very long because opponents will be able to focus all of their defensive efforts on neutralizing that, you know, that one line. And uh, if uh, as good as the Crosby Gensel rust line has been and presumably will be uh, for 
at any point when when it's intact. Other teams that that are able to sick uh, you know one or two checking lines on it and consistently you know play a uh, the defense pairing of its choice against those guys. You know, it's it's just not realistic to expect uh, them them to carry you through a series. So, I mean, I think that would be their primary uh, point of, uh, of of trying to improve. You know, they're they're not going to overhaul their roster. You know, uh, by the deadline, they're they're not going to uh, suddenly average uh, two more inches in height and, uh, you know, 15 pounds per man, you know, across the lineup. So, you know, that's something that, uh, I, I think, uh, they should address, you know, in the future. I think it's something that I felt they should address for the past couple of years that, that they needed to get a little bigger, but, um, you know, that you're not going to do that in dramatic fashion in, in a couple of days. So, you know, in that sense, they'll have to get by with what what they they have on hand. But I do think that uh, you know if they can find somebody who can who can be productive in a, in a top six winger role, uh, obviously fitting him in under the salary cap, uh, you know it, it's it's certainly something they, that they would have to consider. We haven't heard much talk to this point about the Penguins being seriously uh, interested in any particular player. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Ron Hextall hasn't been doing a whole lot of investigating to see what's out there and what's affordable. Um, if, if he doesn't do something by the deadline, uh, that certainly should not be taken as evidence that he was completely content with, with what he had. It would be more of a case that either he couldn't find what he believes the, the Penguins need or that there were, the asking price was simply too great. Yeah, yeah, yeah no question about that. I, I wonder, Dave, would you – one way that you could create space is maybe trading a player – for prospects or picks, and then using that money to then take a swing. <clears throat> at, uh, you know, you have that extra money. Now we're going to take a swing at a rental. Is this team? Would you do? Would you go to that level, making a couple of moves? Because unless you have, as you mentioned, had the perfect money match, it's going to be hard for these guys to really make a a considerable splash. And I and I don't think they're going to, but. Uh, you would almost have to make a couple of deals to maybe get one of those players that I think a lot of Penguins fans would like to see them take a swing at, maybe even if it means trading a high draft pick again. Uh, Did you follow that scenario of maybe moving one guy with some some payroll for draft picks and then using that money where you have the money now to absorb a bigger contract? Well, I mean, in principle, I I don't have an issue with it. I I don't think that this team can make the moves that would transform it into a Stanley Cup favorite. Right. Right. I think, you know, they will be a contender to some extent. I certainly wouldn't want to have to play the Penguins uh, because, you know, some of the individuals they have could, uh, you know, lift them through a, a series. Um, but, you know, at some point the future is going to arrive here and you have to, uh, 
you know, you're going to need capable players then. So I really, it's hard to envision a realistic scenario under under which I think they should part with their their first round draft choice. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, yeah. Go ahead. And if you know if if you're going to trade a, somebody off your major league roster to open some cap space, where you know where do you do that? If you see yourself as a viable contender, which the Penguins profess that they do. You know, can you trade somebody off a defense when you're going to probably need, you know, nine, ten defensemen if you would go on a, a uh, you know, a two-month playoff run? You know, they don't have nine or ten defensemen who, who can yeah. play at the NHL level and, and contribute. You know, do you, do you really want to uh, get even shorter there? You know, yes, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they would be more than willing to uh, – part with Kasperi Kapanen, but, and, and yes, that would, uh, open some cap space, but, uh, you know, assuming you could find a taker, you know, you're not, you're not going to get much back in, in, in that particular deal, uh, other than cap space, you know, $3 million and, and change. So no, I mean, he's in a tough spot. I'll, I'll be surprised yeah. if Hextall completely stands pat by Monday but at this point, that that's more hunch than, than any uh, any information that I uh, that is solid that I have to base that on. Yeah, I, I you know if they could if they could pull off another Jeff Carter trade. I mean, we were not talking about a Jeff Carter t- type trade. We were. I know we didn't mention Jeff Carter's name at all in our podcast leading up to that deal last year. That would be fantastic for the Penguins, uh, given what what he has what he gave to them last year down the stretch and in the short playoff run where I personally thought he was their best forward. Um, but yeah, they're in a tough spot and it's just, it's, it's hard for fans to kind of wrap their minds around that. And it's like, uh, you understand the fans seeing that the end coming and why not just throw caution to the wind and throw another first round draft pick because it's going to get ugly anyway. But, but, but they're not the ones that then have to answer down the road two or three years. And especially, Oh, by the way, you had a new ownership group in here. Yeah. Uh, they're saying, what are you doing? What, what, what's, what are we, what are we hoping to achieve here? Yeah. And it's not just answering to owners. It's trying to sell tickets. You know, well, that's, there's uh, that too. Yeah. You know, the, there has been so much star power associated with this franchise for so long that people probably have kind of, or at least some, have, have lost touch with the reality that that not everybody has three or four future Hall of Famers in their lineup at a given moment. You know, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, sell, you know at, at some point, you your marketing department, you know, actually has to do some work and can't just rely on the, the product on the ice to, to sell itself. Uh, you know, those days are coming and, and uh, you know, the penguins have actually put them off longer than, uh, I would have guessed that they'd be able to, but, you know, at some point, Sidney Crosby will retire and Evgeny Malkin will retire and, you know, Chris Letang will have moved on, whether it's via retirement or free agency. So, you know, like it or not, you know, th- there is a future coming and it, I think it would, uh, behoove the penguins to, you know, prepare for it. 
Yeah, and we we've mentioned this several times uh, throughout the last year since this show launched uh, at the beginning of last season that it just reminds me so much of the situation the Red Wings found themselves in in the last decade, where they were still such a good regular season team, uh, but their Stanley Cup aspirations were for the most part behind them. But management felt compelled that as long as they still had the Datsuks and the Zetterbergs and the Lindstroms in the lineup, they owed it to themselves to keep taking wax at it. And you saw how it worked there and how they kept throwing first round draft picks uh, at trying to chase one more title. And it's hard. It's, it's hard to be, it's hard to be uh, a guy like Ron Hextall and Brian Burke and saying no. It's hard to say no because we know what's going to happen on Tuesday morning or Monday at four o'clock, and they did not make any significant moves. And this is this is what we're going into the playoffs with those three Hall of Famers. That's it. That's all we're doing. Uh, and they they have to know that's coming unless they they do something that's I don't want to say it's reckless, but it's uh, going to jeopardize what they're how quickly they can start to rebuild this team yeah and and you know it's it's possible they they have some pretty good scouts it's possible that you know some uh one of those guys has turned up a jeff carter type who can be brought in at a you know a relatively modest price who you know has the uh at least potential uh to be something of a difference maker in the stretch drive and playoffs you know if you could uh Bring in a top six winger who could score, you know, I, ideally one to play with Malkin as opposed to Crosby. Uh, you know, then you drop Evan Rodriguez back down to the third line, which is, uh, I think, much more sure. suited to him. Um, you know, then your, you know, your uh, lineup gets a, you know, a, a bit more imposing. Um, but, you know, without that, unless, uh, guys like Kapanen and, and Carter, you know, guys with some offensive ability, you know, start to score on a regular basis. It's, uh, it's going, the, the uphill climb is going to get more and more steep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, all right. When we come back, we are going to be joined by Aaron Portsline, friend of the podcast, and he's going to propose one of these deals that maybe, uh, maybe there could be a possible trade with the, Uh, the Blue Jackets. Uh, Who might that be? Stay tuned here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And we are always delighted to have Aaron Portsline, friend of the podcast on continues to be the leader in the clubhouse in uh, times that he has been a guest. I mean, Porty, who did Letterman have on the most? Who did Letterman? Not saying that we're Letterman, but, but he had a couple of guys. You're not saying that you're Letterman. I just said, well, I am smoking a cigar like Letterman. So that's Um, about where it ends. I don't. Didn't seem like Terry Gar was on a lot. Mm, yeah, good point. 
good point. He had the, he had the major hots for Terry Gar too. Who didn't? <laughs> Maybe we could get her next week. Exactly. She, she's she's on the list after the trade deadline, of course. Though mm-hmm. now a team that that uh, some people thought was going to be very, in chaos uh, was the Columbus Blue Jackets, but they have right. been a mild surprise this year. They're, they're probably not going to have enough to make the playoffs, but I don't think anyone could have foreseen in March that this team being as competitive as they have been. All of that being said, they're probably going to be a seller at the deadline. They have a couple of uh, unrestricted free agents. And you wrote uh, not a lot, but you did mention this, and we've talked off air about this, about a a kind of an an intriguing possible deal with the Penguins and one of the Blue Jacket UFSAs. Why don't you go ahead and explain your, your, your deep proposed deal and your thought process behind it? Yeah, so Max Domi is probably the biggest chip that the Blue Jackets have to play at the trade deadline. Um, he's going to be traded. He did. Uh, they have a player tonight who is a game time decision, and I think it may be him. He sort of suffered an awkward fall uh, last night in Ottawa. Finished the game. Um, of course, if he doesn't play tonight, there's going to be just rampant rumors that he's being held out um, in advance of the trade deadline. But they're likely to trade him if he's well enough to to play and be traded. Um, and I, I think this is an interesting player. He's been pretty productive for the Blue Jackets. Nine goals, 22 assists, which doesn't blow you away, but he's played he's played in the bottom six almost exclusively. He's played on the wing, by the way, for teams that are looking for sentiment. Probably not your guy, although he does like to play there. Uh, but he's also been on the second power play unit, which if you've watched the, the Blue Jackets play this year, that means he comes on for like the last 25, 30 seconds of a power play. Um, because the line A, Voracek, you know, Bjorkstrand group takes a, a, an overwhelming amount of the time. It's not even split halves here. So th- those numbers need to be sort of uh, considered against that. He he will fight. He is scrappy. He has really done, I think, an impressive job of controlling his temper. Last year and in the previous years, he has flown off the handle um, and turned a uh, just a mildly – contentious situation into a, a freaking put it this way. He is Ty Domi's son. <laughs> um, so, but he's done a really good job of, of, he will take a penalty now and then, but he usually takes a guy with him now, which is all a coach can ask. Um, and, and, and in poke been around on this, I haven't even gotten to the Pittsburgh part yet, but one, one NHL executive made a very interesting observation to me and others have made it previously. Um, what would Domi be like on a really good team? Because we haven't seen that. He played for Arizona. He played for Montreal when they weren't great. And he's played with the Blue Jackets the last two seasons, and they've not been great either. Um, he made the playoffs only once in his career, and that was the year, 1920, with Montreal, where, if you remember, because of COVID, the league basically went all the way down to top 12 in each conference and had a qualifying round. That's how Montreal got in. I think they beat the Penguins that year in the qualifying round. Indeed right. they did. That's that's the only taste he's had of the postseason. What would he be like on a deep, talented team and really meaningful games? And I think that's a, that's an intriguing thought, specifically to Pittsburgh. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen has not had a great time. He's not in a great spot right now with the Penguins. Um, Max Domi is friends, or sorry, Ty Domi is very good friends with Mario Lemieux. Max Domi is good friends with Sidney Crosby. Um, 
there's a connection there. I think he would love to play there. Obviously, he's not going to say that while he's here. Um, Kasperi Kapanen has a connection to Yarmo Kekalainen that his, his uh, father, Sammy, is good friends with Yarmo Kekalainen. Um, it fits. And, and, and I believe Yarmo, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I think he desperately wanted to draft Kapanen in the year that he was available, tried to get back into uh, the first round to get him and was unable to get him. I believe Toronto drafted him. Um, uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, did, Pittsburgh drafted him. Okay. He is a player that is, that is long interested them. I think they feel like he's got more to give there. So the, the reason this is not likely to happen is a straight up, is Kapanen is an RFA, Domi is a UFA. So would the Blue Jackets need to sweeten the pot to get that done? Probably. Is that a prospect? Is that a pick? Um, is that taking some of Domi's salary? I think the Blue Jackets are open to that too, but there's there are, there are some interesting points here in which a trade with those two teams could work, which is unusual because these should not be dance partners as Metro rivals. Dave, jump in there. Well, I mean, as as we speak now, um, Domi's very solid goal production matches Kapanen's awful goal production for for this year. Um, Domi makes, I believe, two million or two million and change more than uh, Kapanen. Uh, Pittsburgh does not have much cap space with which to work. The, I mean, there's no question that. You know, if this would be a a player for player at the NHL level exchange, uh, the Blue Jackets would have to retain, so, you know, some of the salary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I know you're you're certainly not saying that uh, you believe this this deal is imminent or anything. Uh, you know, I you know it it seems like a less than a 50 50 shot to me and i really don't know that the relationships you mentioned while absolutely legit i mean ty domi and mario lemieux are good friends i don't know you know how close yarmo is to sammy kapanen but i have no reason to doubt you know given their common heritage that that they know each other and might well be very close friends but that really shouldn't factor into whether no. whether a trade is made, you know, you have to uh, evaluate a potential exchange on the you know on the basis of of what the uh, players involved have to offer. Here's so. what I would say on this deal. This again, this is something that Aaron uh, Portstein from the Athletic is just mentioning, throwing out there. This isn't isn't something that he's reporting as as going to happen, but something that it's just it's an intriguing look. And, and if I'm Ron Hextall. I might look at it this way. I, Porty's last point about a sweetener, there would have to be a sweetener. To me, they would have to, beyond the money part of it, they would have to get some picks or prospects coming back. Columbus has a lot of them now. Columbus has been a seller. They've, they've, they did a great job last year in moving some, some, some high-end players, uh, specifically uh, Seth Jones, uh, to kind of restock as they begin their rebuild. No, don't say rebuild in Columbus, retool, whatever you want to call it. And I think from Ron Hextall's point of view, you maybe add a player that gives you something a little different. And Dave, you and I have talked about this. You alluded to it earlier in the show. Domi isn't big, but he plays bigger than he is. That might be that might be something that's intriguing to Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, Mr. Truculence. 
And certainly, if you're in this boat of trying to contend and, oh, by the way, we have to rebuild, we need to rebuild our prospect pool, that's where I see that this makes some sense. I'm not, I'm not saying that I would do it. I'm just saying that it is an interesting, it is an interesting proposal. Uh, just to play this out a little more, Porty, does, has Domi played the right side or is he strictly left? I believe he's played mostly left, but he he's honestly played all three forward positions. Mm-hmm. Because uh, fans- Pitts- yeah, Pittsburgh's most pressing need in the top six is for another right winger. Yeah, uh, and and I'm not sure that – I mean, maybe. I think if the line mates were right, top six, second line isn't too crazy. I mean, I've heard crazier things for Domi. Sometimes guys are just a fit in, in odd spots. I would think him more of a third-line type guy, a plus-type third-liner. Um, but, I, I mean, the thing with him – and, and you know, th- this this sort of scenario is very similar to another a trade that, that has been mulled about by – Many who do what we do. Jake DeBrusque in Boston has requested a trade. He, too, is an RFA. Um, very similar circumstances. I think it's a player the Blue Jackets would be interested in. I think Boston, for its run, given the way DeBrusque has been in and out this year, they may prefer short-term Domi, too, but you're not giving up an RFA, a player-controlled contract, for a guy that can just walk um, in the offseason. Mm. You know, and some of these teams have such cap issues that, frankly, to get out from underneath a, a player like Kapan or, or DeBrusque next summer may be um, part of the relief uh, factored in by this trade. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I happen to think Domi's more likely to go somewhere for a second or a third line or a second or a third round pick, uh, not a player swap. But as you mentioned, Tom, they do have lots of prospects that they could float your way. Liam Foody is a guy, a former first round draft pick that um, that may be a little rich for their blood, but that's a name that's probably going to surface in trades. If he doesn't start uh, developing here soon, when you guys look at Kapanen, is this, do you have doubts about his game or just the, just the sense that he needs a change of scenery? Cause I, I feel like he's not able to be himself right now. with Some of the things that you see in the way that he's playing. Well, they they certainly are not forcing him to curl away toward the boards <laughs> every time he carries the puck into the attacking zone. Yeah. You know, that that's something he's doing on his own. He he can skate, he can shoot the puck. You know, there's no no question at all about either of those things. But, you know, when you peel away 9 times out of 10 after, after you enter the zone, yeah. You know, you're doing a better job of neutralizing yourself than probably yeah. any opponent could. Yeah. I, and then, has this always been a thing with him? No, he, he had a good year last year. Yeah. We uh, yeah. we talked before the season that we thought he could be a guy who could really make a positive difference for this team. But uh, it just hasn't been there. It's it's, it's kind of one with, with Domi – or I'm sorry, with Kapanen, maybe – we just talked about Ty Domi or we just talked about Max Domi having never really played for a contender. I wonder if Kapanen and I won't say Sammy and make the same mistake twice in one sentence. Uh, I, I, I'm wondering if Kapanen might benefit from maybe taking a step back from that, going to someone again, who that, that the family is familiar. And I, Dave, to your point, that's not why you would ever make a deal. 
but it's maybe he does need a change of scenery because it is not working here. And Aaron, we were just talking in an earlier segment, his, his struggles, and there are others in this lineup uh, after the first line that have kind of uh, caused some of the issues that they're dealing with right now with secondary scoring. But I think primarily he has kind of, kind of dragged that lineup down a little bit because he's not playing to the standards that we saw him last season. So I, there's something there. Will it happen? Probably not, but I think it's, it's an interesting, it is an interesting potential trade. Um, Aaron, what is it? We'll, we'll finish it up with this. You've seen the penguins a couple times this season. Obviously they're in the division. You see them a lot. Uh, Dave and I are, are of the I think we are of the shared opinion that this is a team in the first round that can beat almost anybody in one round. They can scare the heck out of anybody, but are not a team that's that that's capable, at least currently constructed, of going four rounds. When you when you look at them from a distance, uh, what do you see? I mean. I want to agree with you a bit. I, I just, I don't know. I, I whenever you've got um, Crosby, Malkin, I, mean, I question their goaltending a bit. I think they've got depth scoring. Um, I mean, obviously, Kapanen would be a huge plus if he can get going again because we all know what what he could do. The elements that he brings to a game. I mean. I, you know, can they keep pace with Florida? Can they hang with Tampa Bay, Carolina? I mean, I'm not sure if anybody can. I think they can crank it up and get there. But there are teams in the East, I think, that play with greater, greater pace and greater depth of pace than it strikes me that Pittsburgh may be able to sustain. Uh, like, it just feels to me like, like Florida's on a mission. And as weird as that sounds to say, given the history of the franchise, um, but that team is just, boy, they've got a lot of elements and they've got a lot of playoff type elements too. Now you want to see it in the playoffs, um, but I, I think they're on a mission. And I think the two best teams in the East may both be in Florida, but you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I think uh, Pittsburgh's like that old boxer. You never want to count out. Um, yeah. They've got the puncher's chance because they've got the punchers um, that, and I also think, you know, just from watching them play, I don't know, hundreds of games against these guys, there's always that gear that they can get to that almost without exception, the blue jackets have never been able to. Yeah. Um, And when they need it, it's there. Now, I don't know if, I don't know, that may be that gear may be what they have to have just to hang with Florida now. Um, so it's hard for me to count them out of anything, but I, I do think they're sort of second tier in the Eastern conference. If you look at it the way that I just sort of laid it out. Well, you're saying if they play the jackets in four rounds, this spring, they have a really good chance of. <laughs> well, I, and I keep being told to stop writing that the playoffs aren't going to happen this year. Cause they're only 13 this was a couple of days ago, 13 points out with 22 to go. Now they're 11 out with 21 to go. And I'm like, guys, it, it doesn't happen this way. That's a huge, huge gap. Um, yeah. So maybe in, maybe in three, 10 years when Crosby's 44, 
um, I'll take that action, Molinari. <laughs> okay. As always, a delight to be joined by Aaron Portstein. We wish you well in your quarterbacking uh, prospects oh. and what's going to happen with those Cleveland Browns who, uh, as someone as a Northeast Ohio guy, I just when you thought that the the dis- dysfunction was over, it's back, baby. It's we back. Known. We should have known. <laughs> All right. For Aaron Portsline and Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, and maybe we'll have a, a, a big blockbuster trade. Maybe uh, we'll be seeing what no, what number Ty Domi or <laughs> Max Domi will be wearing. Uh, we'll Old see. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see you next or time. On maybe the we'll have Terry Carr on. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. Enough levity. We'll see you guys next week. 